in a world searching for answers. God's truth is vital. The Devoted Podcast seeks to answer these questions from God's Word as they share the gospel one listener at a time. Thank you for joining us today. Here are your hosts, Caleb Shaner and Pastor Ben Heffernan. All right, welcome back. Uh, we are just excited to be back in God's Word with you folks today. Uh, we're going to be continuing on Matthew chapter 24, verses 42 through 51, uh, the parable of the faithful and unfaithful servants. And then we're going to dive into Matthew 25, and uh, we're just going to go on from there, however the Lord leads. And so, um, you know, looking at Matthew chapter 24, verses 42 through 51, what are we going to be looking at here in that parable, Pastor? Well, Jesus is kind of setting forth uh, the response that we need to have for those who are waiting for the coming. And there's an element that we ought to be watchful on one side and ready for it at any moment. And yet on the other side, because we know it could be at any moment, we don't just throw up our hands and do nothing and say, well, Lord, come back tomorrow. So what's the point of doing anything today? Um, we have a, a certain mentality that says we're to be watchful, but we're supposed to be workful. Or, you know, you could be faithful. You know, there's an aspect of, so if you can catch those two ideas, I think we'll see this running throughout. And we kind of closed up last time with the, the coming of the Lord. And, you know, there's the aspect of the fig tree and it's it's putting out branches and you, you know it's nigh. Or the anticipation, the idea that we were looking at last time, that it's even at the doors. And... This um, element here that we come in in verse 42, watch therefore, for you know not the hour that your Lord doth come. So there's on one side, it's it's like a branch putting out leaves and, and things. You know that summer is close. You know, you know that these things are about to take place. It could be so there's just this anticipation building. On the other side is we're still left in that moment where you just don't know what's gonna happen. And it's kind of this tension that's running through this passage. Um, and we, we don't know, and yet we, we, we have some good indications. We have some signs and things so it's, or to, to, to help us to be ready. But he tells us to watch, that we need to be looking and always anticipating. I, I think um, this is kind of symbolized with the Feast of Trumpets in that sense because that was the only feast that they did not know when it actually was going to start. Every other feast had a specific day on the calendar, but this one was at the beginning of a new moon and it started when you saw the new moon. And so you didn't, you knew the general proximity, but you didn't know the exact day. You didn't know when it was going to be. And if it was a cloudy day, a cloudy night, they didn't see they wouldn't blow the trumpet. They would add an extra day to the last month and they would wait one more day before they started up. The, um, so there's this aspect, they were watching to the skies, they were looking, and then they would blow the trumpet. And this is what um, we have to look at because he says that it's going to happen in an hour when you think not. And that is very fascinating. You can, you can be like, oh, yeah, it's coming, it's coming, and you're just waiting, and you're waiting, and you're waiting, and you're waiting, and you're like, it's going to happen. And you're like, it's not going to happen. Boom! And then, and then it happens. <laughs> and so I think there's that element of, it's going to be a tendency where I, almost like a roller coaster. If you've ever ridden on the, the front end of a roller coaster, 
You like go. Try not to. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's kind of a scary deal, but you go over the top, and then you're looking down. And you're like, I'm gonna fall, and you're like, you feel like you're hanging there because mm-hmm. all these other cars have got to get over the top, and then all of a sudden you're like, well, this is interesting. All of a sudden, it just feels like someone cuts the rope, and you go, and you're like, ah! and uh, I think that's that element of it's it's going to be like hanging on the edge, and you're like, how can it not be happening? And yet. And it's like, well, okay, it's, but the Lord's going to come like a thief in the night. And, uh, and so if, if you were, you would be ready if you knew exactly when it was, you could be like, well, I'll sleep till three o'clock. I know the thief's going to be here at, at three thirty, And then you, you know, you get all ready. Um, and I don't know why, um, home alone's popping in my mind, but you know, he, he knew, he knew when the bad guys were going to get there because they overheard their plans. So, you know, if you, if you knew when it was going to happen, you could be ready. But right. the Lord doesn't want us to have that kind of aspect. Oh, I can put it off because I can be ready at the last second. Hmm. He wants us to be ready at all times. Yeah. And uh, so you get that aspect of waiting, watchful. And then the second parable here is not just watchful. You're supposed to be doing something. How, or what does the watchfulness look like? There's a faithful and wise um, servant that he wants us to be. And the ruler goes off on a long journey. Um, and he says... Um, if, if he, when he comes back, um, if he finds him being diligent and faithful in the things he told him to do, he says, I'm going to make you a ruler. And uh, that points towards the millennial kingdom of Christ ruling with him. And he says, but if you're an evil servant, says in his heart, ah, my Lord delays his coming. And he begins to smite the servants and drink and just live for himself and doesn't care about other people. The Lord will come in a day when he looks not for him, when he's not aware. And, and he, this that element of this is not pointing towards a, a believer who is not ready. It's talking about someone who is not looking for the Lord because they're not even truly a believer in their heart. And uh, the waiting kind of becomes like a test. The true believer will be watchful and be waiting. The unbeliever may put on a show for a time, but they're going to show their true colors. And he talks about being cast away into weeping and gnashing of teeth. So mm-hmm. it's pretty sobering. Yeah. Um, yeah, I usually try to ride the roller coaster like in the middle, <laughs> so I can see them go over and anticipate. <laughs> yeah, you know, I don't like the back end of the roller coaster either because you usually should get whipped around pretty good too. Yeah, it's like so, you're over the before you even get to the top, you're on the way down. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> so anticipation is I like anticipating. <laughs> you know, I don't like seeing the, the the result before it happens. But you know, I, I think about uh, even my my job. Um, you know, there's days where, you know, I'm working and, you know, my boss will tell will tell us that, you know, he'll be dropping by sometime that day. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, we, you know, at that point, you have two options. One, you can be a faithful employee mm-hmm. and do the best you can and work hard, not knowing, and you're still anticipating the whole time, you, you know, you're like, is he coming? Is that him? You know, mm-hmm. you're not sure. But you're still working and you're being faithful in your work and diligent and you know you're being productive and you're you're working hard but yet still having your eyes you know looking and, and waiting for you know your boss to come you know you don't know when he's going to come you just know he's going to show up sometime or you can be the unfaithful kind and just kind of be relaxed lazy like watching and then as soon as he shows you see him show up you're like scrambling looking like you're going to be working mm-hmm. right but i mean he'll know if you've been faithful or not, because whenever he, you know, walks into the job site, mm-hmm. he's going to look around and be like, well, what have you been doing? I don't mm-hmm. see much difference. Mm-hmm. 
and that's how you know this parable that's kind of what it's relating to i know i'm kind of doing it in uh you know layman's terms but you know again we can be as christians as believers mm -hmm. children of god we can be unfaithful and that, you know, this parable and what Jesus is saying is, are we going to be faithful mm -hmm. knowing that he's returning, but are we going to be diligent? Mm -hmm. Are we going to be, you know, product, you know, productive? Are we going to be just really working and being faithful mm. in yeah. what he's given us in the time that he's allotted us here on earth? Mm. Are we going to use it wisely? Are we going to wait until it gets closer and closer and closer to time to almost there's no time left and we're like scrambling now? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You know, or are we going to be lazy and just be like, well, I hope God sends somebody to witness. Well, somebody gets stirred up for the Lord. Mm -hmm. It ain't going to be me. <laughs> yeah, I got too much going. Mm -hmm. I'm, I'm too, you know, we ought to be doing it even at work. Mm -hmm. You know, mm -hmm. um, there's opportunities that I get to leave a track somewhere. Mm -hmm. I may not be able to sit down and have like a 30 minute conversation. But there are opportunities the Lord provides. We are, are we taking those opportunities? Or are we just like, eh, maybe next time. Mm. It may not be a next time. Yeah. You could die, you know, that night, pass away, not get an opportunity to witness to them. Mm. Or they could. You know, and well, we ought to be we ought to be that way where it's like, this could be this person's last day on earth. Mm. And did I witness to them did i share the gospel or did i just say well the next person can get them or mm -hmm. i'll catch them later mm -hmm. the time the right time is now the right time is today mm -hmm. you know and so there, there ought to be that that are we faithful are we um are we just being foolish with the time mm -hmm. are we you know how's our time management as christians are we managing the time wisely in the sense of, are we setting a time where we are devoting our time to the Lord? Mm. Are we devoting our time to being witnesses? Is our time like every day, are we focusing on the Lord or are we focusing on ourselves and what we can accomplish? Mm. I mean, we got to set goals for, you know, <laughs> for life. Mm -hmm. You know, I'm not saying don't set goals. And I'm not saying, you know, mm -hmm. the, the goals that we do set are wrong. Yeah. I'm just saying, what are we doing as believers to use our time wisely for the Lord? Mm. Yeah, redeeming the time. Mm -hmm. It's good. We see the same two ideas come in the next two parables, and it's fascinating how they kind of mirror each other. Um, the parable of the ten virgins emphasizes watchfulness. The parable of the talents emphasizes faithfulness until mm -hmm. he comes again. And so when you see the, the parable of the, the virgins, it's a little bit more difficult in terms of us to understand just in reading, because you have to understand their culture, that the, the wedding ceremony in the Jewish culture was a little different than what we have here. And the, the betrothal would take place, the, son, the, the husband, the groom would go away and he would prepare a place for, her, for the bride. And when everything was ready and everything was set, then he would come back and he would send a herald before him kind of announcing his coming. And, uh, and the, this bridal party would be, he would take some to come back and receive the bride and, and they would be those that would accompany the bride and the groom back to the, the father's house so they would have the wedding ceremony. And so uh, this is kind of the picture here of 10 virgins. 
So the, the idea of virgins is the idea that they were kind of the bridal attendants for the bride and in this idea. And so it said, mentions that five were wise and five were foolish. Um, the foolish took their lamps, but they took no oil with them. They weren't prepared and ready for a delay. And there seems to be an indication from this that, you know, that Jesus isn't kind of anticipating that there would be some time between him speaking now and the coming of the Lord. We, you know, he doesn't necessarily come out and state that, but now we look back and we see 2000 years take place and, and it makes sense with what he's talking about here. Um, and so then at midnight, when they were all kind of slumbering, um, they hear, behold, the bridegroom cometh. And uh, those that, the, the virgins, they rose and trimmed their lamps, but the foolish, they realized they didn't have enough, that their oil had run out. And they're like, please give us some of yours, but then they all would have run out. And they wouldn't have, you know, they wouldn't have the lamps to, to go with them. And they say, no, we, we can't give any of ours. We, we have just enough. And so they basically say, you've got to go back to town and, and buy some. And so then while they're out buying it, um, the bridegroom actually comes. So the forerunner, you know, came before them crying along the way. And now the bridegroom came while they were there. And so they came and, and they try to catch up to the, to the bridal party. And interesting, they, they come to the gate. They're saying, um, at the door, which is shut, reminding me of the ark, you know, shut mm. the door. And he said, they say, open to us. And he says, I know you not. So there's an indication there that this is a picture that they were not ready for the coming because they did not know the Lord. That's, that's the main criteria. You're not ready for the coming of the Lord unless you know him, unless he, let me say it better, unless he knows you <laughs> in that intimate and, and special way. Obviously, Jesus knows everyone. He's created all of us. But have we, um, are we one of his children? Have we said yes to his gospel and received him? And that's when he, when he says, watch, therefore. That, and, and, and inherent in that idea of watching is being ready for him because you are in a right relationship with him. Um, and uh, don't put off salvation. <laughs> you think, oh, yeah, I'll, I'll get saved. I'll get saved. There's no guarantee of that. If you know the truth, today is the day of salvation. Act upon it while the Holy Spirit's moving in your heart. So that's the first parable. Then the parable of the talents is a man who travels to a far country, again, kind of implying that there's a delay, and he gives to his servants talents, and he gives to some five, and another two, and another one. These would have been large sums of money. And he does it according to their ability, and he takes his journey. And uh, two of them work really hard and uh, try to use that money to advance the, the, the purpose and the will of the master of the house and, and advance his income. Another one just takes it, digs it in the earth and, and hides it. You know, it's like didn't do nothing with it. That's how easy is that? Okay, now I'm, I'm ready because I've just I've hid it away and I've done nothing with it uh, in, until the time's coming. And when he comes back, there's a reckoning. And he reckons with the man who has five talents. And he says, I've got five more. And he calls him a good and faithful servant. He says, I will make you ruler over many things. Enter thou into the joy of thy Lord, which is a beautiful description of what eternal eternity is going to be like. It's You can summarize eternity with one word for those who know the Lord, joy. <laughs> and it's really beautiful, as you were talking about. Um, and uh, then the second... Same thing happens with, with the second talent. But with the one, he says, he had gives an accounting. He says, I knew you were a hard man. 
and you reap where you do not sow and gather where you're not strong. I was afraid, so I just hid myself. It's all your fault. <laughs> I didn't do anything because I was afraid I'd lose it. And he says, I'm going to answer you by your own words. You, you are a wicked and slothful servant. You didn't want to do anything. And so he says, you should have, should have given me some usury for it. And so he takes the talent, gives it to someone else, and uh, and talks about everyone that is, um, that hath shall be given, and him that hath, and he shall have abundance. But from him that hath not shall be taken away that which he hath. Um, and so there's an aspect if you don't take the life that God's given you now and give it to the Lord, you'll have no life. You'll end in destruction and uh, utter that unprofitable servant again is so seen to not be a Christian who fails but an unbeliever who goes into outer darkness, into weeping and gnashing of teeth. And so that really is kind of a, you know, a, a great warning. I think both of these parables are pointing towards those who are unbelievers and the great warning of, of watchfulness. But for us as true believers, what is the sign that we are the believer of the Lord? That we are busy. We're serving him. We're taking what God has given to us, and we're, we're, we're praying, thy kingdom come, thy will be done. I, I want to see your cause, your will advanced in this earth. I want your name to be glorified and you, your name to be seen as holy. Um, and we're, you know, too many times I think, um, and I, I don't, I think it's a real possibility, you know, that there are people who go to church and are part of the Christian atmosphere don't have a possession of eternal life and it and i say that because you know there seems to be those that are not interested at all in advancing the lord's work mm -hmm. and so there's an aspect that that's that's a a warning sign i think to um that you know it's not the difference between a good christian and a bad christian here we're talking about the difference between a Christian and an unbeliever in these passages. So it's kind of a, it's a, a warning for us as we look toward this, and yet an encouragement for us to be watchful and to be working uh, and faithful towards our Lord. Because that's, that's really the greatest thing I, I long to hear that phrase. Well done, thou good and faithful servant. Oh, if I could hear that. What would we give to hear the Lord tell us <laughs> those words about our lives? So. Yeah. Uh, A.W. Tozer says in his book, The Attributes of God, um, you know, because I think, you know, we strive for, you know, Matthew 25, 21, mm -hmm. you know, those words. We strive mm -hmm. to hear that from our Father. Mm -hmm. um, you know, his Lord said unto him, Well done, thou good and faithful servant. Thou hast been faithful over a few things. I'll make thee ruler over many things. Enter thou into the joy of, my, of thy Lord. He says this, God wants to please us. He takes no pleasure in human tears. He came and wept that he might stop up forever the fountain of human tears. He came and, and bereaved his, his mother that he might heal all bereavement. He came and lost everything that he might heal the wounds that we have from losing things. And he wants us to take pleasure in him. Let us put away our doubts and trust him. God wants to please you. He is pleased when you are his child, when you're surrendered, when your will is his will and his will is yours. When you are not in rebellion and not seeking your own will, God loves to please his people. 
Did you ever see a father bringing gifts to his children? Did you ever see a lover bring gifts to his bride? He wants to please the people he loves and the people that love him. The idea that God must always make you, mis make you miserable is not a biblical idea at all. Mm. Jesus Christ knew God and he suffered from the irritations and persecutions of the world, the bitterness of their uh, polluted hearts. They made it hard for him, but he was pleased with God and God was pleased with him. This is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. Well done, thou good and faithful servant. God said that now to his people. God can say that now to his people. God isn't pleased by your being miserable. He will make you miserable if you won't obey. But if you are surrendered and obedient, the goodness of God has so wrought through Jesus Christ that now he wants to please you. And he wants to answer your prayers so you will be happy in him. He wants to do that. Let's put away all doubts and trust him. It's hmm. good. You know, one way, one thing, you know, listening, you know, you can see, you know, we ought not have the idea of, oh, well, God, you know, God, God should please me. Hmm. Yeah. I mean, that's one thing that you could take away from what he is saying here. Hmm. You know, God wants to please me. He, he, you know, hmm. And we can, we can abuse that. You know, are we going to, I think of, of, of investments when I think about the, the parable of the talents. Mm -hmm. They took the money that was given to them. And then two of them went into town. They went into the place and they, they, they doubled. They, they worked. They, they invested the money. And they were able to give back more. And then you got that one that stuck it and hit it in the ground and hoped that that would be pleasing. Hmm. You know, I think, you know, and the way I interpret this part of scripture is, you know, God will bless, God blesses us with little things. He blesses us with, with all sorts of gifts, talents. I mean, it's, it, may, it may not be like uh, tangible money, but he gives us things in our lives that we can glorify him. Are we using those to glorify him? Are we keeping them buried in the depths of our hearts? Whenever he returns, I want to be able to say, God, you gave me these. Mm -hmm. And I put them to good use. Mm -hmm. and here they are back, double fold mm -hmm. from what you've given me. Mm -hmm. I don't want to be the, the and, and I want to hear him say, well done, good and faithful servant. You've used what I've given you. What I've created you for. Or am I going to stand before him and say, you gave me talents. I, I use them here and there. Mm. But, you know, here you go. You could have them back, for what you gave me. Mm. And him just say, I gave them to you for you to use. Mm. <laughs> for my glory and for, my, for the purpose that I've given you. You know, there's times, you know, then there's that, that, same, that same lie the devil whispers and, God wants you to be miserable hmm. when things go wrong, when things are, you know, seem tough, you know, and that's why, you know, there's times where people are like, well, I'm just so depressed. I'm so, you know, anxiety. And, you know, if for a believer, you know, that's your unbelief. 
And I've been there. For an unbeliever, that's a sign that you need somebody to help. <laughs> you know, yeah. finding it in the bottom of a bottle, finding it in, in one of those pill containers, finding it in a needle, finding it on the internet, finding it is in other ways, it never satisfies. And it never will. Even for Christians, we you you find yourself you know, caught up in these addictions and then searching and, and longing for something, you know, what fills the gap, but you, you know, you're too afraid to, sh- to show it because you, you know, you're ashamed. Mm-hmm. Just like that servant that hid the talent. Mm-hmm. He was ashamed before his Lord. Mm-hmm. Here. Mm-hmm. So what are you doing with your talents that God has given you? What are you doing with that? That's that, those gifts, those, those, those tools that he's given you, he's put inside you. Are we working, putting them to good use for the kingdom of God? When he returns, we can give them back even more because we have used them to exhaustion. Mm-hmm. Are we going to be the one that says, hey, I'm here. Mm-hmm. I didn't use much. You know, mm-hmm. so, I mean, there's just that thought that I've, Hmm. Had of that scripture, and then you know, A.W. Tozer, you know, kind of brings that out yeah. a little bit. You know, it's great application from kind of brings it right down to where we live. It's good, excellent. Well, there's just one last part here that's not a parable, but it is the summary of where we left off with in chapter 24. He was describing his coming, and now he says, "When the Son of Man shall come in His glory." And all the holy angels with him, then shall he sit upon the throne of his glory. That is the, the entrance into the millennial kingdom of Christ. And this is, we've seen throughout Matthew, it's presenting Jesus as the king. And we, he came as, as presenting himself as the king in the triumphal entry. And now he's predicting this reality that he is the king. He will sit upon his throne. And when that happens, before him shall be gathered all the nations. After the battle of Armageddon and all those who are destroyed, everyone who is still left alive on the earth is going to have to assemble themselves before the Son of Man, the man who was crucified, Jesus Christ. And they are going to have to give an account. And he's going to separate them from one of another, the shepherd that divided his sheep from his goats. And that's where that aspect of gathering from the four winds of heaven, he's going to gather his sheep um, and set them on his right hand. But the goats will be set on his left. And the king here, it says, shall say to them that are on his right hand, Come, ye blessed of my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the earth. So he's inviting these and welcoming them into that millennial kingdom that we've that's been anticipated all the way back from Matthew chapter five, where he says, "Blessed are those that you know are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth." You know, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Here's this aspect. But what's really interesting about this is he says, "When I was hungered, you gave me meat; and thirsty, you gave me drink. And I was a stranger, you took me in; you were hospitable. I was naked, and you clothed me. I was sick." And they say, and the righteous say, "Lord, when did we do all these things to you?" And he says, "When you did it unto the least of one of my brethren, you have done it unto me." I think the best way of understanding all this is during the tribulation period, the people who are willing to associate with other believers and are willing to bear the persecution of that time and give 
to meet, to meet those who are in prison, to give drink to those who are ostracized and those who are naked to clothe them. That's the period of time that he's talking about when he says, my brethren. Those are the true believers. This is not that you get salvation by doing these things. It's just that this is the evidence of the true believer. And then he does the same thing to those who are on the left. He says, depart from me, cursed, into everlasting fire, prepared for the devil and his angels. So you see that the eternal fire is not meant for man. The man who join in, in the devil and his angels have to go to that place. And he again applies the same test. The unbelievers demonstrate their unbelief by how they responded to the believers during that period of time, that they would not visit them. They would not associate with them in any way. And he says, "For you did not unto these, you did it not unto me, and these shall go into everlasting punishment and the righteous to life eternal. And so this really does, again, makes the dividing line between righteous and the lost. <laughs> and it does come back down to not just a profession of our faith or our testimony that we have, oh, I'm a Christian, oh, I've gone to church all my life. No, it's when the rubber meets the road, is there a reality that's going to produce itself? And if we understand that the time of that judgment and the persecution as being a horrible time of, if anybody's associated with um, these people are going to be frowned upon and, and social, um, you know, that's why it talks about many are going to be offended. They're going to be like, I don't want anything to do with being a Christian because it's not going to be socially uh, accepted at all. It's going to be huge persecution. So I think that kind of sets the stage for, um, you know, the, the, the coming of the millennial kingdom. And ultimately, after this chapter, we move right into the crucifixion narrative of Jesus in the upcoming chapter. So it's going to be really exciting, very powerful. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's, I mean, again, like we said before, I mean, there's just an anticipation, that excitement hmm. that we <laughs> we get to have. Uh, you know, that is built inside of each and every one of us. And so, you know, um, it's, it's been, it's, it's really powerful just reading God's words and just meditating and, and thinking about these things and, and learning, mm. you know, we can read over these parts of scripture over and over and over mm. and not even get it, you know, because our hearts aren't, you know, looking. You know, we're not searching. We're not meditating. So as we go through these, and as we have been going through uh, Matthew, the series, you know, meditate on God's word. You know, not just listening on the radio, because we're just giving a quick look at is being looked at over, you know, just a short period of time, because we could definitely spend a lot of time <laughs> in each chapter. But just... You know, learning more about God, the closer we get to God, the sweeter that time's that time is in His Word. And so, you know, as as we've gone through all this, you know, just look to the Lord for your help. That's where your help comes from. You know, don't try to find it in the things of this world because they're just temporary. They're they're fake. They're 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 just they're they're not real. They're, they're just an illusion of help. The true help is Jesus Christ. The true help is finding Him, knowing that He died on the cross for your sins, repenting of your sins, turning into Him, turning to Him. Mm. Yeah, I can't do it on my own. There's no way I can get myself to heaven. Mm. You know, for all of sin and come short of the glory of God. You know, we've all fallen short. And because of my sin, 
you know, the other verses in Romans too, it says that for all of sin and come short of the glory of God. You know, we've, we've, we, I mean, there's none righteous, no, not one. But it's through the confession of, of our mouths opening up and saying, Lord, I need you as my Savior. Come into my heart, save me. I need you. Here's my sins. Take it from me. I want to live a life that is fully and truly yours. Asking the Lord to come into your heart and to save you. Getting into a, a Bible-believing, Bible-preaching, solid church. You know, uh, you know, just just the growing and learning and getting discipled and as if you're a believer struggling, look. Yes, it's hard. It gets tiring. There's times where it's, it, it, you know, I've been there where it's like this. There's, there's no need to continue in life. I'm tired. I'm wore out. I'm, I'm tired of failing God. I'm tired of, of being in those points where it's, I'm sure he's tired of me saying, asking for forgiveness and repenting. I've done it 30 times today, you know. I mean, there's just, there's those moments. But whenever you think about taking the time just to think about what he did on the cross, he knew that, we, you know, you'd fail him. Mm-hmm. He knew that you would, that you would be asking, you know, a hundred times mm-hmm. for his forgiveness. Mm-hmm. That's why he bled for you. That's why he endured everything on the cross. That's why he rose again. To give you eternal life. And as a believer, you have that hope of one day seeing your Savior. Don't give up hope. Don't give up on Jesus because he's never given up on you. And he never will. He said it over and over. That's a promise we can claim in his word. It's that he's always there. And he'll always take care of us. We just have to trust him. We just have to take those steps of faith and believe that every step that I take is because that's what he wants me to do. Mm. Every door that's closed, don't open it. It's closed for a reason. Mm. Walk through the door that he opens. Trust his will. Even whenever it doesn't make sense. And so, you know, we, we ought to live with that anticipation knowing that God is going to return. We got to have that anticipation, knowing that I've got neighbors and I've got friends and I've got uh, people that I know that needs to be saved. And am I going to take the step of faith and take my fear and throw it out the window and say God's in control, mm-hmm. not me? You know, but we shouldn't fear those that can hurt the body. Mm-hmm. We should be afraid of the one that can hurt the soul, the devil himself. So thinking about these things and you may be saying, struggling with thoughts of depression or anxiety or just, you know, you're, you say you got mental health. You know, I mean, I'm not saying there there isn't. I'm just saying that the antidote is not found in what we can give with medications or with, you know, alcohol, what the world says you can do to find your peace and your rest and your, your, your joy. 
that's all temporary. That's all fake. That's all that's going to hurt you. Mm-hmm. What you find it in is through Jesus Christ. Mm-hmm. And so that's that's the goal of this podcast. It's the goal of what me and Pastor. That's our heart is just sharing God's love with you and just, you know, we want it to be as real to you as it is to us. Mm-hmm. That love, that joy that we have, that peace that we have. When things go wrong, knowing that God's in control, you know, it's out of my hands. You know, God, you you take you take control of the situation. I'm not going to touch it because I know it's in better hands than within mine. So with that said and ending with Matthew 25 here and podcast, feel free to reach out. Mm-hmm. You know, that we've given out the emails. You know, I'll do it again. The devoted.podcast.listener at gmail.com. Don't be afraid to send an email. If you don't have, you know, if you, if you need another, you know, if you need to write it out or something like that, I'll leave it in the comment section. But please reach out. We're, we're happy to pray with you and for you, and and uh, you know we'll we'll respond to the emails given. But know that God loves you very much, no matter the 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 past, no matter what you've done. He still loves you. No matter addictions you're in, He still loves you. No matter how much you've pushed Him away. He still loves you. No matter how much you've rejected Christ, He still loves you. You may be listening and you may be saying, I don't believe in God. Well, you've listened this far. You know how real He is to us. Mm-hmm. And He is very real. Mm-hmm. And He loves you. Mm-hmm. So, on that note, thank you for listening to the Devoted Podcast. And uh, we look forward to seeing you in the next episode. Have a good night.